Hey, hey, Twisted listeners. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Spooky Time. Twisted teachers, true crime and conspiracy theory. That's right. Yeah. Is yours a conspiracy theory or true crime? It's a crime. Mm -hmm. Mine's a crime, too. So you said um, I can go first. I believe you should go first. Yes. I think I went first last time. I don't remember. All right. I don't think it even matters. So I am telling you a story today. Um, We're going to go all the way back to the 1920s to an area that from a distance might just seem like another quiet corner of the world. Um, Wooded, foresty, all that stuff. Um, But we're talking about Bavaria. And this was in the 1920s, right after World War I had taken place. Um, And so that kind of plays into some of the things. Okay. So like I said, it seems like another just quiet corner of the world, but it's where the Hinterkaifeck farm is. That's okay. the last name, Hinterkaifeck. It's a place where the lines between like legend and reality tend to blur. So we're going to meet the, the family. Um, that, And I was wrong. That's not the last name. I'm not sure why it was called the Hinterkaifeck farm. Um, so we're going to talk about the family, the Grubers. Okay, Grubers. Um, the Grubers. So we're going to start. There was there was a father, Andreas. He was a seasoned farmer, like rough around the edges. Um, <laughs> a history kind of as deep as the grooves in his face. And he had a wife. Her name was Kazilia. And she had always been like kind of a rock in their sea of tumult, right? right? They have a daughter. Her name is Victoria. And she has a past that is basically drenched in heartbreak. I mean, her husband is gone. He died in the war. And she has two kiddos, Kazilia, um, same name as her mom. So that don't let that confuse you. And then Joseph. And she's living with her parents. So what's eerie about Hinterkaifeck is its silence. I mean, this farm is a lonely spot, a good hour from the closest soul by foot, you know, wrapped in like just a shroud of isolation that just kind of imagine a place that's so quiet that basically secrets are the only thing that you can hear. So before Maria um, stepped, oh, so they get a maid, they have a maid. Um, And before Maria stepped in as the maid, there had been another, but she could not get out fast enough. And she was like incoherently rattling off about unseen eyes and whispers that played tricks on the mind. She claimed that it was like the very walls had tales that they oh. wanted to tell. So really chilling, right? First of all, I thought you meant like real t- like a tail on an animal. <laughs> oh, sorry. Whoa, that would be really gross. I was like, that's really <laughs> trippy. Okay, sorry. That is really trippy. Um, and then there are the rumors. So when you when you do the math, it seems almost actually impossible that the daughter, Victoria's son it could be her husband's like the math just doesn't add up. And the rumors were that it was her father. 
that she and her father had an unnaturally close relationship. Oh, God. That's awful. So the the kind of they were talked about quite a bit already in town, right? So then things start to get pretty chilling because Andreas begins talking about all of these things, unsettling discoveries, if you will. Like there's footprints that lead in from the forest, but none that go back. Now, you could say, I know people who like, like through the snow, people who walk in snow, a lot of times, if you're walking in deep snow, you do try to walk back in your same footprint. So, you know, there's maybe an answer there. Or the snow fell over it. If it was still snowing, it, it filled all the footprints up. They find a newspaper in their house that like doesn't match a newspaper that they would have. So that's really weird. And then there were these sounds in the attic that might be kind of what the previous maid was talking about, right? The real like kicker came. There was a guy in town or nearby, maybe their closest neighbor, but still an hour's walk away. His name was Lorenz Schlittenbauer. And he was also, well, I guess that also isn't quite the right word. He was um, also had been romantically involved with the daughter, Victoria. Oh, wow. She's busy. She she is. um, Whether by choice in some situations and not by choice in others. um, He decided that he was going to drop by. And the poor guy got way more than he bargained for because he stumbled onto a scene straight out of a scary movie, a crime documentary. We're talking like full-blown horror show. Because what he wandered into is that the family, most of the family is dead, slaughtered in the barn. The maid and the littlest boy were found in the house, slaughtered. And here's what's kind of freaking the police out, or I don't know if police is the right word, the investigators, the people who are trying to solve the crime. The farm is in the middle of nowhere. And the crime scene was kind of cold by the time they got there, a couple of days old. Yeah, And so they were clutching at straws. So suspects they were like really anyone from drifters they said jealous neighbors um they said that it was possible that carl who was victoria's husband that was killed in world war one didn't really die and that he had come in um and coming back for a dramatic showdown now here's the weirdest creepiest part Whoever killed the family decided to, like, have a sleepover, I guess. This person chilled at the farm for several days. Um, And they know this because the animals were completely fed and taken care of that did not match how old the bodies were. Does that make sense? Right. So the person was an animal lover after a mass murder in the house. I guess it's not a mass murder, but just a. Yeah. Know. I mean, I don't know. Just One, three. two, four, five. I mean, five people is. Yeah. Six people. Say. That's a pretty good number. I don't He's know. Like, he killed what. the whole family. He's like, I'm going to go feed the cow. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take yeah. care of the cow. And right. like, 
did chores like milked them, fed them, did the stuff. That's, that's weird, a, right? That's a like a dichotomous situation. But, you know, some people like animals more than they like people. And I will also say this was in the 1920s and it was cold. So why leave when you when nobody's going to, you know, well, right. Free, or but maybe, stay. I mean, like maybe they weren't able to tell how old exactly the bodies were. Or like this is totally just, well, no, the way they were killed, they were like basically bludgeoned. So. The person, I was going to say, like, I wonder, this is just me. This is not a theory that the world has, just just me, that maybe the dad, like, flipped out and killed the family and then killed himself. But you don't really usually kill yourself by bludgeoning yourself. No, I, that I feel like hard. that's hard. That would, mm-hmm. I would, that would be a precarious, like, like, you, I would, you would miss, I would think. And then you wouldn't do it again. Well, right. Could you hit yourself? I couldn't hit myself hard enough to cause any no. major no. damage. So, of course, news of this tragedy, like, rips through the whole area. And it wasn't really, like, just a local whisper. It kind of echoed through newspapers and living rooms and kind of became this chilling narrative for people in Bavaria. Right. So now the walls of Hinterkaifeck have crumbled, um, but its stories stand tall, and it's a testament to the mysteries that still remain unsolved, echoing across time. So do they have any idea of who may have done it? mm Not at all. No Not theories? at all. Like, the guy that found them is was a suspect. Um, the... Like I said, the the ex-husband was a suspect. It could have just been somebody wandering through. No, it's like one of the biggest. So they think it might be supernatural since they were hearing and seeing things kind of, right? Or that one. Yeah, or I think the theory was that maybe they had a squatter that they weren't aware Uh, of. That was like that noise in the attics. Yeah. the newspaper that they didn't recognize, footprints that came from the forest, like somebody came to the house. Well, that makes and sense. And that would make sense in the house. That they just kind of hung out, you know, after. Because they were right. living there. It's so creepy. Um, and I guess, obviously, this was before, like, fingerprint collection, etc. So. Yes. That was cool. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, mine is also... A really old one. Okay. All right. So this is the story of Irish Kate, Irish woman Kate Webster, um, who carried out one of the most notorious and savage murders of the 19th century in England. She killed and dismembered her employer, Julia Martha Thomas. Oh my right. gosh! So we're going to go back in time, um, and so, and I guess I'm interested in the females, and because typically we hear about the men. And uh, there seems to be quite a few women who have had their issues with murder that go way back in time. So, so basically, she started a criminal career very early. Okay, she was born Catherine Lauer in England in 1849. Okay. Um, She gained a reputation for theft from a very early age. And so basically, that caused a lot of shame for her family and her poor parents. So they were like, oh, God, please stop stealing stuff. Like, can you just yeah. stop? So she was 
in prison for larceny in Wexford at the age of 15. And then she she left and continued to steal until she raised enough money for a ticket to Liverpool in 1867. So she was tenacious, if nothing else. Like, yeah. I'm going to keep going. Um, so basically, she had a lot of aliases. At one point, she took the name Webster, claiming to have married a sea captain um, and that she told people she had four children by him. She said the captain and all the children died. But given her propensity for lying, it was debatable whether whether that was true or not. Or not. I mean, can you imagine just making up a husband and four kids? Why four? I mean that 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 is a that is really just very um, I don't know sticking to something like that. It's just it's a little bit of an aggressive lie. Um, yeah. So then she 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 was in jail off and on quite a bit, and she was a criminal in Liverpool. But in 1868, she was sentenced to four years um, for larceny. And she was released in 1872, and she traveled to London and worked as a cleaner and maid. We have similar stories here with the maids, right? Mm -hmm. She couldn't keep out of trouble. Um, She'd rent rooms and boarding houses before selling everything of value. Um, She'd spent 18 months in Wandsworth Prison after being convicted of 36 charges of larceny in May of 1875. After she was released, she was convicted of the same crime and jailed for a further year in February of 1877. And apparently they did not have background checks before they were, you know, <laughs> like hired. Because that's that rap sheet is as freaking long as her intestines. I mean, seriously. Um, so 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 someone's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go get a job as a maid because, you know, who knows who I am? And um, they call it a domestic servant. Um, to this woman who was widowed twice, Julia Martha Thomas in Richmond. So her first day of work was January 29th, 1879. Um, But Mrs. Thomas was very critical of her work. So Mm. I'm sure this woman did not take constructive criticism very well. Um, And then she gave her a notice on February 28th. So she worked for a month, didn't do very well, and got fired. Um, then she's like, oh, Webster said, like, Kate, can I stay till March 2nd? Like, just help me out here a little bit. So they had a fight before Mrs. Thomas went to church. And on her return, they again rowed, had an argument. And according to yeah. Webster's confession, she threw Mrs. Thomas down a flight of stairs before she choked her. <laughs> Other reports claim she was initially attacked. Like other reports say that she initially attacked her employer with an axe. Like, she she she's had a life of crime, right? Yeah, and she just jumps in to violent murder. Like, there's no in between. I thought there was like a progression, like, right? You know? Maybe there was, and we don't know about it. So here's what she said. She said, "I chopped the head from the body with the assistance oh. of a razor, which I used to cut through the flesh afterwards." Oh, my God. These people, like, back, these confessions that I have found are so much more colorful than the ones that in later people are like, I didn't do it. At least she's admitting to it. I mean, I got to give her credit. Um, She said, I also used the meat saw and the carving knife to cut the body up with. Wow. She went, like, in for a penny, in for a pound. (laughs) I just, because the lady, because the lady criticized her maid work yeah she she didn't do a good job dude Mm. i don't do a a really good job at a lot of maid work i'm really glad that when i am 
quote unquote criticized. Um, so she says she's still confessing. She keeps going. She's just going to keep going. I prepared the laundry with water to boil the body to prevent identity. And as soon as I had succeeded in cutting it up, I placed it in the copper and boiled it. I opened the stomach with a carving knife and burned up as much of the parts as I could. Ew. Oh, my God. Okay, so we're not done. No, we're not done. So she decided after the fact that she cut this. I think once you start dismembering a body, you just have to keep going. Like I think there's no going back. So you might as well march on forward, right? <laughs> so she decided she's going to pack up the body pieces, but she left the head out in a foot. Um, just one foot? Yeah, she packed the body pieces, except for the head and one foot, into a box in a bag before throwing them into the Thames. The foot was soon mm-hmm. found on a rubbish tip in Twickenham. So basically, it was found in the trash. There's a place where anything that's been floating through the river kind of gets caught in like... Yes, yes. It took a lot longer to recover the head. So Detective Inspector David Bolton, who examined the case in 2010, said a few days after the murder, some boys said that Kate Webster had offered them some food and said, here you go, lads. I've got some good pig's lard, which you can have for free. The boys ate two bowls of lard, which was unfortunately Mrs. Thomas. Can we talk about the word lard? Yes. And what it means, because I feel like it means the same thing as the lady you talked about who made soap and candles yeah or soap so what's like lard i think lard is like well, in we, today's land like crisco and right do people use crisco anymore like know. you know the like clear can not clear like whitish in a in a in a can it's that cholesterol like, in a can to, is what that is is the is, yeah like yeah, i'm sure they the, do to like grease your pan instead of mm-hmm. just spraying it with Pam because mm-hmm. like they didn't have Pam. I feel like that's what lard is. Like, I want to know. How, okay. So they ate who, and then these boys ate two bowls of it. So then what is lard? It's 100% animal fat, usually pork that has been separated from the meat. Like how hungry do you have to be to eat two bowls of any type of lard it's not that she couldn't give him cookies or anything. I mean, so the she took on the victim's identity. So she's she's just a bold oh. bitch. Okay. Do you think it was planned ahead of time or was it like spur I don't know. Of the she, moment? She, I think she's just flying by the seat of her little bustle or whatever she was wearing. So the box containing some of the remains was found on the banks of the Thames a day later. However, it was not identified as Mrs. Thomas because she had not been reported missing. The bag was never found. For the next two weeks, Webster lived at her victim's home, dressing in her clothes and dealing with tradesmen as Mrs. Thomas. So they had to see her. So just because she had the same dress on, it had to be her. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess if you are a new tradesman to that house, you would not assume that it was... Okay, I'm just thinking it's like the person that comes... the same person that like comes the in. same gardener that comes every mm-hmm. day. Wow, she looks different, but that is the same. She's dress, got the same so. outfit on. <laughs> okay. Two days after the murder, dressed in one of Mrs. Thomas's dresses, she visited her former neighbors, the Porters in Hammersmith. She claimed that she was now Mrs. Thomas, alas, widowed, and wanted to help selling her home in Richmond that was left to her by an aunt. 
So this ruse ended on March 18th when the delivery men came to collect furniture Webster had agreed to sell. They told a suspicious neighbor they were working for Mrs. Thomas and pointed out Webster. The neighbor alerted the police and Webster fled. (laughs) One of the reasons Mrs. Thomas sacked Webster was due to her spending more time in the pub than at work. The argument on the night of the murder stemmed from Webster returning home late from a visit to her illegitimate five-year-old son. So she reportedly visited a pub while waiting for Mrs. Thomas's remains to boil in a laundry copper and again treated herself to a drink and pawned her employer's gold bridge work for six shillings. So is that the teeth? Gold bridge work? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's not suspicious at all. Like, where does one get bridge work if it's not yours? After visiting the porter, she went to the pub with Henry Porter and his son, Robert, excusing herself to dispose of the bag with Mrs. Thomas's remains. Um, Webster also agreed to sell Mrs. Thomas's furniture to a a publican named John Church, who she went drinking with several times during the course of their business. So her trial was pretty well known, and it drew quite a few people. So she fled to Ireland with her son, and she was arrested on March 29th on her uncle's farm in Killeen. Crowds jeered at her as she was transported to Dublin, while her pretrial magistrate hearing drew. Many privileged and curious persons were there. So people were just like, I need to see. It, it's like a bad accident. Rubbernecking. Yeah. By the time of her trial on July 2nd, where she was being prosecuted by the Solicitor Gen- General, Sir Harding Gifford, and defended by prominent London barrister Warner Slay, um, interest had reached fever pitch. People were waiting. They want to know what was happening. On the fourth day, the future king of Sweden, Crown Prince Gustav, turned up. So she's so she's one of those psychopathic narcissists, and she kept saying that she didn't do anything. Webster uh, pleaded not guilty at her trial, even unsuccessfully implicating Church and Porter. After six days, the jury took just one hour to find her guilty. <laughs> Before well, at what point does she tell them, like, yeah, I chopped her up later um, after all this? Yeah, I, I think it was, I'm sure it was after because she might as well have said, fuck it. Um, the jig is up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks like she was still fighting at that point saying, no, it wasn't me. Right. Um, she claimed she was pregnant in a bid for clemency, but a jury of matrons employed for such just a scenario examined her and decided she was lying. After being sentenced to death, she admitted that she had been involved in the murder, but she implicated a man named Strong, who she claimed was the father of her son and a former criminal accomplice who led her into a life of crime. Let's go ahead and blame everybody else. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and blame everyone else. <clears throat> it's like when your kid fails a test, it's never his fault. However, on July 28th, the eve of her execution, she finally confessed to her solicitor and Catholic priest that she had carried out the murder and acted alone. So there's a book called Murder. By Shani DeCruz, Sh- Shani DeCruz, um, Sandra L. Wallcake, Wallake, and Samantha Pegg. The authors say there was animosity against Irish immigrants who had arrived in England since the famine as they were associated with the mm-hmm. criminality and disorder. The stereotype of the unintelligent, drink-prone Irishman was widespread. I- but she did it. Um the police had a tendency to target the poorest communities, um, create an overrepresentation of Irish in prisons against reinforcing those negative stereotypes. So basically, um, it said that 
The authors are arguing that in terms of public and judicial perceptions, it was a doubt. It was doubtless easier to accept Webster as both thief and murderer because she was Irish, but because she did it. I mean, she she was arrested twenty seven times. All right, so her hanging made history. Webster was hanged on July twenty ninth, eighteen seventy nine, at Wandsworth Prison. Only the second person executed there. Mm. Of the hundred thirty five people hanged at Wandsworth, including the likes of Lord Haw, Haw and John George Haig, Webster was the only woman. As the prison only had 90 graves, they eventually decided to reuse the plots, except for Webster's. The only woman executed and buried at Wandsworth was allowed to rest alone. So this is interesting. The head, remember the head of the woman was never found? Yes. The head of the woman turned up in an unlikely place over a century later. While the box containing some of Mrs. Thomas's remains was recovered, as well as the severed foot in Twickerham, the head was not found until 131 years later in David, David Attenborough's back garden. Webster had apparently dumped it under the stables in the hole in the wall pub near Mrs. Thomas's home, perhaps refusing to ever reveal its location. As without a head, the remains cannot be defini- definitively identified as those of Miss Thomas. The Planet Earth presenter bought the derelict pub in 2009 with a plan to extend his back garden on the site. A year later, excavators unearthed the skull. So 2011, a coroner ruled, putting all the circumstantial evidence together, there is a clear, convincing, and compelling evidence that this is Julia Martha Thomas. David Attenborough, um, he's a British broadcaster, biologist, natural historian, and author. He's best He's best known for writing and presenting in the conjunction with the BBC Natural History Unit, the nine natural history documentary series, forming the life collection in a comprehensive survey of animal and planet on Earth. Okay, so he's a scientist. He just happened to find it. And so now they could, um, that's just so weird to find a freaking skull in your backyard. Y- yes, that would be really weird. So that is That was a good one. She was nuts, though. Mm-hmm. So we have one unsolved and one psychopath. Completely yep. solved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. All right, everyone. Well, we hope that was right. a twisty little start to whatever time of day you're listening to this. And we hope you stay twisted. Twisted. Bye. Bye.